Welcome to a new episode of the Shoot the Shot podcast. I'm your host, Mark Dumonte Furtado, and today we have the first of our NBA content, where we'll be covering the episode of the Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan. My guests today are our previous guests on the show, Alex Curtis and Freddie Posse-Gudino. And I guess where I'd just like to start the podcast is, guys, what have been your thoughts on the documentary altogether? Um, well, it's been absolutely brilliant, to be fair. Um, it's just a very behind the scenes. Like You wouldn't have thought that Michael Jordan would allow people to film for a whole season everything that he was doing to his teammates on the court, off the court. And the fact that we get a behind scene, especially when there's no sport on at the minute, it's just great sort of escape, I guess. Yeah, I enjoy it as well. I think it's I think it's probably one of the best sports documentaries out there at the minute. Um, I've I binged it in two days um, after I finished my coursework. So I mean, it's got to be good then, hasn't it? Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend it to anyone to watch it. So. Yeah, and let's just go through the play-by-play with each episode then. So episode one starts off with kind of just talking about Michael and just showing kind of the beginning of the 96 season and kind of taking it back to 1984. I clearly think this is where the documentary kind of clearly sets up Jerry Krause as kind of being the villain of the whole show, kind of talking about how he has that famous line where he's like, organisations win championships, they're not players, and he just clearly is quite a slimy guy. I don't know what is, what are your guys' opinions on Jerry Krause? Well, obviously we're seeing from I think Michael Jordan probably had the most input on how people are presented in this. So like obviously he's presented this horrible character. But from my personal point of view, like he's a horrible person, but he needs to get a bit of credit for what he did with the Chicago Bulls. Like he put this team together. He also got Dennis Rodman for the last three championships. But, um, yeah, obviously, he went about things because he had, I think he sort of, as it shows in the documentary, he sort of had a massive ego and wanted to be, like, up there like, with the players to be for winning championships, which just isn't how it works. Obviously, basketball's a 5 for 5 game. There's only five players on the court at one time for a team. And then, like, compared to NFL, a coach had probably a lot more input on an NFL team than a basketball team. And the GM still makes the trades, but the players did the work. So, yeah, I'm with Freddie with this one. Um, I think he deserves a lot more credit than he's due in the documentary. Um, It doesn't really talk about him bringing this team together. It kind of focuses on who he's getting rid of and who he's bringing in. Um, But at the same time, I think in sports... A lot. Uh, there's there's a lot of big egos, so it's not a surprise that he had a big ego to me. Because I mean, Michael Jordan has a big ego, but I get again he can back it up. Um, and I mean Jerry Krause as well. He has a big ego, and he can kind of back it up because he did bring this team together. Um, but then again, like you can't go around swinging these words around. Um, when your team is winning championships. Um, but yeah, that's my view. Yeah, I think it's very clearly obvious that Jerry Krause had a bit of an inferiority complex compared to the rest of the team. Yeah. And it kind of it showed out of the, sh- the rest of the show, but 
I think he definitely deserves more credit than he got. I think one thing to notice during the documentary as well is the amount that Michael Jordan picks on him. And I don't think that helped uh, with his complex. I think he thought, oh, I'm getting picked on. I need to establish some control. Yeah, and I think he tried to show that when he just didn't let Michael come back, essentially. But clearly, he just made a mistake. And he just kind of messed up the Bulls organisation ever since that point. I also like the fact, you know, um, was it in one of the recent episodes where they talk about how Phil Jackson pretty much pitted the whole team against Jerry Krause? Because, you know, mm-hmm. that point where Scotty Pippen was vehemently against him because of his contract and all that. And Phil Jackson used that. And I think it probably definitely helped them motivate them to win. But when your coach goes against your general manager, it does not help matters at all. Yeah, I heard stories that basically the deteriorating relationship between Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson was another reason why he wanted to tear it all apart because he saw that he basically gave Phil Jackson the opportunity to take on the balls and then somehow Phil Jackson's like stabbing him in the back by like pitting the players against him. I think that didn't really help the situation with Jerry and Phil. And I think the person who is basically being scot-free in this is Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. Nobody seems to be slaying him for allowing Jerry Krause to break the team apart. He deserves just as much blame as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in football, if you compare um, the general manager and the owner, um, I mean, they're pretty similar. But, I mean, overall, the the owner has the final say, I guess. Um, but the general manager like puts everything together and puts it toward to the to the owner. So, I mean, kind of, I agree with you, Mark, how the owner's not getting enough blame. And so then episode two and three were more like player-based episodes, not really about Michael, but episode two is about Scotty Pippen and how kind of his ascent and rise to kind of stardom. And I guess the most shocking fact about this episode was the fact that he signed a seven-year contract for $18 million and got absolutely screwed over by the Bulls, whilst he was probably like the second or third best player in the NBA. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the explanation from Scotty was because he didn't have much money, he wanted to help his family and all that. He obviously didn't see how it works now, which is each year, year, year upon year, salaries rose. He just thought seven years, it's still a, a load of money. Um, I can set myself up for life with this. But obviously, I think he knew his mistake because he once he got two, three years into the contract. And yeah, it's laughable to think he was like, what, 129th highest paid player in the league or something. And it, yeah, it's just quite funny, to be honest. But And to be fair, it's probably more his own fault or his agent's fault. They didn't look at the cold, hard facts. And there was the one where the owner said he told Scotty not to sign the contract. That's That's, that's just rubbish. He, would have, he was like, I can get Scotty Pippen for this seven-year deal. Of course, he's not going to tell him not to take it. Yeah, I think some of the blame has to go to um, Scotty Pippen here. I love him as a player. I think he's my favourite person on the documentary. Um, but him and his agent, I think, didn't look to the future and see like what would happen in those seven years. It was kind of just focused then and there. Um, and I guess... I guess for other players, it's a big learning point for to like to see that and go, 
okay, well, no, we can't. We can't just take 18 million. We have to, for seven years, we have to look at what will happen in the future. Um, so I think most of the blame has to go to him um, because he probably could have negotiated a way higher contract than he got. Yeah, especially if he just made it like a three or four year deal and renegotiated after that first three P. You probably wouldn't be seeing him on ESPN. He'd probably be in Michael's position having millions and millions of dollars, not probably having to work again. But but the, also the happens. other side the other side of it is what you see now. You're betting on yourself to get better. You're also betting that you don't have a horrific injury. So like you can see where players come from even nowadays like was it is it Bradley Beal who just signed that massive extension with the Wizards in case something horrible does happen you want that want you want that money to keep coming in so you can look at both ways but yeah it's definitely Scotty Pippen's mistake 18 million is a lot of money as well um I mean I could probably live off 18 million (laughs) for seven years but I mean when you're at that level of sport and players around you are getting way more and those are your friends like you can't forget like if I'm going to play golf with Michael Jordan like he's going to be spending a ton I'm not going to be be able to do half the stuff he does and they were best friends pretty much so I mean I think you're so like the social people you hang out with I think that's a lot of factor in that as well yeah, and then speaking of social players, we then have the Rodman episode, which was episode three. It just kind of the stuff that Rodman was able to get away with. It just still blows my mind that Phil gave him a holiday midway through a season where he went to Vegas. Thought he would come back in I don't know forty eight hours, and of course MJ was telling him he, he's just not coming back, and they had to go get him from whatever depravity situation he was actually doing. Do you think any player could get away with that in the modern day NBA? No, definitely not. Like, imagine if, uh, let, let, let's think of a good example. Like, imagine if, uh, what, Dwight Howard just decided, oh, yeah, I'm going to rock off uh, to LeBron James. She goes to LeBron, LeBron and um, Frank Bogle. Yeah, I'm just going to go off for a weekend now. You, you guys sort these games out. I'll just give them a miss. Like, it's just stupid. It's I don't know how he got away with it. It's It worked. Because like he came back and he's playing brilliant basketball, but it's just like yeah, that would never happen with. I don't think that would have happened with any other team either at that at that point in time. Just because there was Chicago Bulls and they had Michael Jordan, they could get away with losing a player for a few matches. I think for this episode, what we can't forget is that I think it was the first episode. Jordan explains what happened in his rookie year and how he knocked on the door of the other players and. It was the, the Coke corner, the weed corner. And so I think Mike, for Michael Jordan, it wasn't, Dennis Rodman wasn't um, that bad considering what he, he had seen before in the organisation. And as long as, I think as a, as a player, as long as you can live up to your potential, reach your percent potential, while doing the other things and fine, as long as it's not against the rules in the in the league. Um, now, obviously, him not coming back when he was meant to, I think he should have been fine because he said he said he would be back. But 
at the end of the day, he came back and still played probably to the best of his ability. Um, so I don't see a problem with it. I think it would have been much worse if he wasn't allowed to go on. I think he probably would have, wouldn't have played. He probably would have just left the organisation totally. So I think it was quite... I think Phil Jackson knew that he had to let him go because otherwise he just wouldn't get out of him what he wanted. Yeah, and I think episode three also kind of highlighted the kind of relationship that MJ's balls had against the bad boy Pinsons. And it just showed me like how physical basketball was back in the day. And just like, it was basically a fight. Like when you got to the rim, like you were just going to get hit down. And it just showed that the hate for Michael, like Michael Jordan has for that team still existed today and he still thinks about it well yeah, yeah but um like considering we didn't get to see this period of time we see basketball now it was a lot more violent back then but there's still cases of where in this monday uh nba you drive to the rim and someone decides you're not going to get there you're going to be put on the floor like it's more physical than people think when you think about basketball but obviously you could get away with a lot more back then. Like, I think, was it like two flagrant fouls? Now you'd just get sent out. Like, imagine those Pistons and they'd been sent out in 20 minutes. It's just, and you saw how much punishment Michael Jordan took. And it's sort of, I think that is what made his determination so great. Like, if he hadn't had that tough team to beat, I don't think he would have achieved nearly what he did. Yeah, I mean, that those business teams definitely drove him because, you know, MJ, he needs that fuel to really push himself. And they do touch on it on later episodes, like how he just kind of used to make things up to motivate himself, like make up things that people used to say. And I just think like that is such a like, weird thing to do, to motivate yourself, to just make, like... <laughs> and, like, people would run with that story that, oh, yeah, that guy, like, basically insulted Michael Jordan. And then he'd just get blasted by the media for no reason. Yeah, I could imagine. I think that was di- gone. I think um, in sports, there's a lot of um, everyone has their different type of way to get themselves into the game, um, and a lot uh, there's been like a lot of people saying like they um, they see themselves in their mind performing to the best of their ability, like scoring a goal or whatever. Um, doing something amazing and then when it comes to the game it kind of kind of works out for them and I think that's what Jordan was doing it, it, he, he imagined these people saying to him oh he's not good enough he's not good enough and then he proved by his play that actually you know what you can get out of here so I think that's what I quite like about that um, and and people being like the Pistons, who you say, like if he if he sees himself making it to that rim because of the people putting him down on the floor, that's what fueled him. I think. I mean, I can't say for sure, obviously, because I'm not him. But it just all of that mental stuff pushes him, and I think that's what's amazing. He's got it down. Yeah, he's definitely one of the probably the, the probably one of the strongest mentally like toughest players that I've definitely seen just showing from this um, documentary. So then, 
the next couple of episodes. Episode four was the Phil Jackson episode, and it just kind of highlighted they kind of need a new kind of style of play to beat the other teams and stuff. But apart from that, I didn't really see, like, it wasn't really that much about MJ in reality. It was more about Phil. It wasn't that interesting to me. Um, I don't know if you guys had different thoughts on that. Well, I, th- I thought the fact when he talks about the triangle offence, I think it was probably the best thing he could have done with the fact mm-hmm. he has arguably the greatest player of all time in his team. What what, what was he averaging, like 38 a game? And like just before he put implements the triangle offence, it was like, imagine having the balls go up to Michael Jordan and say, I'm, gonna, I'm taking the ball out of your hands. He's just he's just won three championships, two championships. He's like, yep, yeah, we're going to play do this triangle offense, but then it works. Like the team, like was it the '96 Bulls when Jordan came back after baseball, when they were just using triangle offense to perfection. It was just beautiful basketball, and they won 72 games, which was the record until the Warriors. I quite liked that episode. Um, I think it's quite an important episode in the fact that. Um, the last dance, which is what their last season was called. Um, he Jordan said he wouldn't come back without Phil Jackson. So I think having that episode in there highlights why Jordan wouldn't come back um, if Phil Jackson wasn't coaching. And I think Phil Jackson was probably um, a big factor in Jordan's success um, mm-hmm. in his career. So I think that's that's why I like that episode. I can see why you can now see why Phil Jackson, um, why Michael Jordan wouldn't come back without Phil Jackson. Well, yeah, you yeah, see like the thing. Oh, yeah, go on. Uh, you see, like, uh, like look on Twitter after the that episode, everyone was like, "I did not realize." Like, everyone sort of forgot how good Phil Jackson was at coaching. Like, people talk about the greatest coaches of all time, Greg Popovich, um, Pat Riley, and all that, and then. People don't realise Phil Jackson was a massive reason for the success of the Bulls. People say, oh, it's just Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Phil Jackson, if he wasn't a coach, like, and then he went to coach um, Shaq and Kobe and got a free pick there. Like, you that's just, okay, he had great players. It's not a coincidence that he won all these championships there. Yeah, the only thing I kind of also took away was like Phil Jackson was really tall. Like, really, yeah. really tall. Well, he played centre, didn't he? Yeah, so like, I didn't actually know that. I thought he was just like a normal guy, but like... He, no, he played cool. basketball. Oh. I quite so then, liked seeing... Sorry. I quite liked seeing how he became a coach in the NBA. Like, going to Peru. Was it Peru? No, uh, something yeah. like that. Um, and seeing the physicalness that's there. Like, the, pre- the president got shot or something because of a basketball game. Um, I think having Phil Jackson there when they played the Pistons or another physical team, I think Phil Jackson would have helped a lot with that. Yeah, I think he definitely did. And he definitely should get more credit than he's got in the past. But I think when you have 11 championships, I think your record speaks for itself at that stage. Also, that was Jerry Krause who brought him in. Yeah. Jerry Krause definitely does love, deserves a lot of credit for getting rid of. I think it was Doug something something was the previous yeah. coach. Who was doing who was doing really well, wasn't he as well? Yeah, he was doing pretty decent. And then Phil Phil Jackson was like it was kind of like what um Masai Ujiri did with Toronto, where he got rid of um I can't remember the previous guy, but then he brought in Nick Nurse and then they won the championship yeah. the following year. So like there are quite a lot of similarities there with that. 
So then episode five um, is kind of more back to focusing on Michael Jordan and kind of just shows how like his agent, David Falk, is like a genius with how he kind of managed to market Michael as like the, because before like basketball was a team game, nobody really marketed the individual and him marketing the individual like Air Jordan, he came up with the name, his sneaker was just unbelievable, sold all the time. I think MJ's got to put a lot of like, like the fact that he's a billionaire today, obviously it's to do with his talents and stuff, but I think his agent deserves a lot of credit for that as well. Yeah, um, I mean, after I watched that episode, I went on and looked to buy some Air Jordan 1s. Um, so I think that just shows um, how influential that package that he got from a, his agent and Nike, um, which never happened, pretty much never happened before. Um, it's, it's just so influential on people. So... Yeah, and like if you think about it, if you go in America or even UK, you'll see people wearing Jordans all the time. Like, okay, there's LeBron shoes, there's like current NBA players, nowhere near as popular as Jordans. It just shows you the reach that Michael Jordan had. Like, whenever people compare the Chicago, Chicago Bulls to the Beatles, that's how famous they were. There'll never be a peak like that, I don't think, again. I'd argue the Heatles with LeBron, that was, that was up there. But I think the Bulls... I don't think quite as much as the Bulls, though. Like, I think the initial of the Heath was kind of joining together. Mm. They were, like, big. But, like, it's just the fact that the Bulls were consistently winning. Yeah. It just made them a lot more popular around the world. So then, episode six was when it starts to get really interesting and kind of delves kind of deeper into Jordan's psyche. Kind of starts to unearth some of his, um, let's say, darker passions. And it kind of just goes into a bit more of like his like love of gambling, which I guess you could kind of extend to the fact that because he's uber competitive in sports, he's uber competitive in all aspects of his life, including gambling. And of course, there's the very famous book by Richard Aquinas, I think it was, where he just delves in about how Michael Jordan owes him a lot of money and how he's clearly got, I wouldn't, I mean, he say he doesn't have an issue with it, like with gambling. I think he's definitely a bit of a gambling addict. Like, it's pretty obvious. But it's because his MJ just kind of gets swept under the rug. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, those, uh, what was it? Was he betting, like, $100 a hole in golf against someone? It's just mm. ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it's his competitive nature. He wants to win everything. Like, you saw the video of him with the, <laughs> the was it the security guy where they're doing the coin flips? It's just like Instantly, such a stupid instant game. Instant meme after that. And uh, they're betting like 10 bucks. It's just like, what? It's the fact that he has so much money, yes. But he's also just betting it whenever he can. And like, I don't think people, I think he was probably doing this for a while before everyone found out. But then when everyone found out, people are interesting like on him. But even the NBA, you know, the investigation they did was, it was nothing. Like, what are they going to do to Michael Jordan anyway? And then, yeah, just I guess that's just his nature. I think for Michael Jordan, it was winning isn't enough. Like the fact that he won a championship and then he pretty much worked his ass off again and won another championship and then another one and then a few more. Like it just wasn't enough. 
and then he went to go play baseball and it just wasn't enough and he came back um so i don't think winning was enough for him and that's why he gambled on like he just added an extra thing to win onto the end of his like golf games i think what was what was said in the documentary which i thought was a quite good point was when he bet he bet 100 100 dollars or whatever but but to him well for us that's 100 dollars but to him that's like a pound or whatever or a 1 dollar yeah, yeah, i remember that i mean it's it's nothing for him um but then you see that he actually owes a lot of people money and you're like okay well is it going too far then um i don't think we know enough about it to say that he's definitely got a problem because there isn't enough out there and I think the people he was gambling with probably weren't the best people to gamble with, which is also important to think about. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't call it a problem. Um, I wouldn't call it okay. I don't know what to call it. Um, but it's interesting to see how winning reflected into his, his like everyday life as well. Yeah, I think he kind of made it his like just goal to always win, and I guess that what made him is a kind of the mentality of a winner. And he always talks about laser how the fact that like people criticize me for like all the things I do to my teammates and stuff, it's because you've just never won. That's why you think like that. And I think that's the biggest like boss move, like mic drop. That it's one of the best lines of the documentary was him saying that because it just shows that he doesn't actually care what anybody thinks as long as he won. It didn't matter what anybody said to him because he was always going to be defined as the guy who won. And I think that's what he always wanted. Like, he didn't care about social status or anything. He just wanted to win. I mean, in college or something, he just, um, he wouldn't go to parties or anything. He chose not to because he was fo- he was focused on the winning instead. I find that, I find that the most amazing because I think when, people get to that high, that level of popularity, then they all, I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but they usually also go into like parties and just gain a more high, high social status. Whereas with he, he's focused solely on winning. Well, yeah, he also inspired like so many people to pick up the game of basketball and try to achieve what he did. Like Kobe Bryant literally copied him, move for move, tried to get six championships, got five. But um, to him as well, Mambrin mentality, all about winning. It's just like a lot of NBA players don't have it, but hopefully maybe when they see the documentary, they might realise the goal of basketball is to win. Yeah, and especially now, like to become in the Hall of Fame or to achieve go to status and stuff you need to win like being as good as you can if you never win anything I think that's why ultimately like Carmelo even though he was an amazing player will never ever be on the same pedestal as LeBron or Dwayne Wade because you've just Charles, never Charles Barkley is the same yeah same situation Barkley if he possibly he, if he joined the Bulls but nobody, oh, nobody wanted oh. to do he would have had one and he would have been remembered completely differently I would be the same as KD joining the Warriors, man. Yeah, that would be yeah. bad. Of course. So then, episode seven, um, 
it's kind of post Nike three at this point, and obviously, sadly, Jordan's father passes away. And I don't know if you guys, I think Freddie might listen to it, but I was literally listening to the Low Post podcast just a couple of like before this episode came out, and they were talking about, and Mike Greenberg was on the episode, and he was talking about because he was covering the Bulls at that time, and he was talking about the theories about apparently how some people claim like Jordan's father was killed because of Jordan's gambling debts and. I don't know if they were going to go through it in the episode, but they actually, you know, they actually talked about it and they said it was just, just didn't happen. And then also, of course, in the podcast earlier, they also talked about how Jordan was secretly suspended from the league and you know, David Stern wanted to get him out of the league, which, of course, is a baseless lie. But I'm glad that they actually went and spent time going through it in the episode because there was always those lingering doubts with Michael. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised uh, they like the interviewer had the guts to go to speak to the Michael Jordan and say, ask him about these accusations that the stupid accusations that his gambling had led to people killing his father. It's just ridiculous. And it's also horrible to hear they had to go through like, was it two days after they discovered he was, he, it was um, his father? The people like media were like, oh, it's Jordan's fault. It's Michael Jordan's fault because of stupid gambling debts and like it was oh it's awful um for me i think we can't forget that michael jordan probably had a massive say what went on this documentary so i'm wondering and i'm i don't like to speculate because anyway but um i'm wondering if he wanted to talk about it so he could clear the air the total way because you see you see that he doesn't move on from losing his father quickly and i'm wondering if he just wants to clear the air totally clarify a lot of things for everybody get rid of the whole speculation um and i think it was quite, it was very like every all the media have said it was wrong to do all that speculation um and I mean, even now, media speculates. It's just what people want to hear. They just hear speculation and they go whatever they think is the most possible thing. Um, so I think it was bound to happen, the amount of speculation going on. Um, and it's obviously not the right thing. Um, and I think in the, to put it in that documentary, um, it was important to Michael himself. Yeah, I'm very glad that he definitely talked about it because he definitely cleared the air with that whole situation. So then episode eight was kind of drawing it back, him coming back to basketball and everything. And what this episode really showed to me was the whole killer mentality that Jordan had. The whole fact that we talked about, we briefly touched about it earlier with LeBradford Smith and how he came up with the fact that he insulted him. And the fact that, so LeBradford scored 37 on that game. And I think I brought it up here. It's like he scored 37 in 1993, near the end of the Bulls 3P. So Jordan was like, he was clearly pissed off. So then the next day, he's like, I'm going to score 37 in the half. And he just goes out and does it. Like, that is just some, like, killer mentality. That The fact that you can just back up your trash talk the whole way. I think, it, again, we're talking about mentality and sport and how your mental kind of being is so important to the game. 
I think he was great because he had such a strong mental side to him. Like obviously he's physically strong, but he was also mentally strong, um, which is what also pushed into that success. And I think people don't think about that as much because they don't see it. Um, but it just shows you how important mentality is to sport. Yeah, like um, this, I'm so happy these last two episodes have literally delved into the mind of the greatest basketball player of all time. And it, this is the most emotion I've ever seen Michael Jordan, because obviously he doesn't give interviews or anything, but like you were saying before this documentary, you people aren't going to like me. Like, I, I, I love him. Like, he's great. And he's shown so much emotion on these last two episodes, which probably been the two favourite for me. And like, I wouldn't have thought he would put all that in the documentary. Like the one where he's crying on the floor when he's won that um, championship Father's Day was just heartrending. Yeah, it just clearly shows that. I think it really showed his mentality, especially the fact when in the summer of 95, when he's filming Space Jam, the fact that he wanted to get his body so into shape how hard he worked to do it and the fact that he was scouting NBA players like when he, they used to come for pickup games he would have like notes on them just to like when he met them later in the season how he knew how they play and I know that LeBron did a very similar thing this past summer when he was filming Space Jam 2 how he had a whole court built for himself that he could be ready for the NBA season and the fact that I think it's clearly shown that it's helped LeBron because he came out this season and was immense so clearly that kind of whole summer dedicated to basketball, filming, getting ready, clearly worked for some players. Just shows you that the game of basketball, any sport, isn't just the season. For, the, for everyone who's in that sport, has to work the whole year. It just shows you, like, you're not, they're not getting contracts for half a year or whatever. They're getting contracts for a whole year for a reason. Um, so yeah, that's why I quite liked the, this episode. Yeah. So, do you guys have any like last kind of thoughts on what you think the next couple of episodes might bring? What do you want to see? Any final thoughts? Well, um, I'm assuming the well, I'm pretty sure these last two episodes obviously show most of the finals against the the Jazz and. It was show like one of the greatest moments of all time when he pulls up, maybe a slight push off, but and sinks that mid range jumper to win the finals. It's just, it just, I think that pushed him to a level which I can't see being reached. It's just that lasting thought. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I've heard these last two episodes of Menemy quality. I want to. I want to see. I want to see. Obviously, the ending season of his career um, and the final championship. But then I think I also want to see because we've seen so much about his other hobbies and his other like outside the game of basketball. It'd be quite interesting to see what he's done. He's he's been doing now that he's retired. Um, because I mean, if we look at Kobe, um, the amount of extra stuff he did after he retired um it'll be interesting to see like the behind us behind the scenes bit of that yeah i think if it it could touch on like him buying the hornets and yeah kind of 
talking about that, him becoming an owner and how important it was for to have like a black owner in the NBA and have it be a former player. I think that could be really something to good to end on, just to show how much growth he has had. But it's definitely something I would mind. I don't know if they're going to touch on like him at the Wizards. I hope they don't, because I like the time yeah. to think that that didn't really happen in my mind. But <laughs> yeah, they could yeah, touch just, on that. Just as well. finish finish on the shot. Finish on the yeah. last shot. Let's finish on that. Like, retired retired straight after that. Yeah, but yeah, that could be it. Could be anything they could talk about. But I'm very excited to see. And um, we'll definitely be doing some reviews of the next two episodes and hopefully it'll be a really good ending and uh, we can definitely talk about it. So on that bombshell, I would like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Shoot the Show podcast. I'd also like to thank Freddie and Alex for coming on today's episode and I'll have their social media pages in the description below. If you are listening on Anchor and Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please download and follow our page and leave some reviews as well. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe to help the channel grow. This has been your host, Mark Diamante Furtado, and I will catch you guys in the next episode.